All right, today on the show, we talk about our weekends, including Eric's adventure tubing, Sarah sweltering at a ball game, and my nephew's party. Then we welcome in the amazing actress and activist, Alexandra Paul from Baywatch fame, and we end with the news and how boomers just seem to lose their minds over little things. But first, let me tell you about NextWave. Yeah, NextWave Services is a website design company that provides high-quality website design and maintenance work for businesses at a flat rate. NextWave was born from the idea that everybody needs access to seamless, reliable, and professional website design and maintenance service on a consistent basis. NextWave believes that their excellent track record of repeat business is proof of their commitment to delivering first-class service all of the time. Now, you can get a free website consultation when you check them out online at nextwaveservices.com. Founded in 1998, which is as old as the internet itself and even the year that I got married. Damn, that is a long time ago. Yes, it's Next Wave Services. It's time now for the Real Men Eat Plants podcast, your daily deep dive into sports, pop culture, beer, and food, all with a plant-based spin. I'm Dee, and along with news anchor Sarah Carlson, producer Eric Rogers, and the rest, here's a man who always has a plant-based plan before leaving the house, Rich Reynolds. Hello, hello, and what is up? Welcome to a Monday edition of the Real Men Eat Plants podcast, along with Sarah Carlson and Eric Rogers. I am Rich Reynolds. Happy to be with you after a sweltering Monday. We have got a or a sweltering weekend. Monday's great. Today the weather is fantastic here in Wisconsin. This weekend, uh, not so much, but we got a lot to get to on the program today. Let's get it out there where you can find Eric Rogers all across the social media universe. Here we it's, go. Yeah, there it is. Brand. I'm going to hold this up every time for those who are watching the stream. Love it. He's good on social media. We kind of stink at it. I'm at R-M-E-P Rich uh, for whatever that means. That's where you can find me on Twitter, but nobody knows I'm on Twitter because I suck on Twitter. I seem to do okay on Facebook, and that's because Facebook's been around for like 50 years, and so it, it kind of works for me. So it shows our age. Rich. Yeah, exactly. Age. And you can find Sarah Carlson wherever you like to find Sarah Carlson as well. And also on our very fine program today. Very excited about this. Our guest is going to be Alexandra Paul, who played Stephanie Holden on Baywatch. How cool is that? And there is so much to talk to her about, and we're going to be getting to that in just a little while. First, I did want to say, anybody have any exciting things happen to them over the weekend? Uh, my I friend fell out of a tree. Game. Okay, hold excited on, hold on. You guys go. are talking at the same Sarah? time. Sarah first. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Oh, no, I, I went to the Mallards game, it, it, you know, baseball game, and went to it like I can do this in the heat and uh, got through about five innings, I am so sorry to admit, and John and I turned around and said, out of here. That's enough. But, it was you know, so hot was on Saturday. The, it, was so, I was just surprised at how big the crowd they still had. Some loyal fans. It's great there. Yeah, Were absolutely. you out there in the like, beer tent area or like the regular stands? We were we were under shade. I don't remember what that. That's I don't know good. the stadium as well. Yeah, so so the Mallards the actually shade. they have this wonderful section. It's called the Duck Blind, and there's lots of levels to it, and it's all you can eat and all you can drink, and they got tons of like craft beers and all kinds of stuff, which is great. And my son is actually going to suit up for them again. He suited up yesterday for him out in uh, Mequon. They took on Lake Shore, and tonight he's in Green Bay. Uh, so they're going to be uh, playing there, and he's going to finish up the season with them despite his ruptured right knee. He's got a ruptured PCL that he's been fighting for the last six months, but um, still playing ball and, and Joey still on doing one well. Joey is better than most on two. That is true. So what about your weekend, Mr. Raja? Uh, yeah, was out there. So for the listeners and viewers who are not from Wisconsin Midwest, I don't know if it's like a Midwest-specific thing, but going tubing, so go down a river in an inflatable, usually involves alcohol. In uh, Texas, where happened. I lived for a while, yeah, they, they call it floating the river. So it's got different okay, we were names. floating the river. Depending on where you're at, and floating the river is always fantastic. So tubing happened for you. You, you floated the river. Good stuff? There was a, There was a tree overhanging this river. And they tell you before you start, do not climb trees, do not pet. There's a donkey area for some reason. There's donkeys. What? So do not go and pet the donkeys. Do not climb in the trees. 
and jump out of the trees. What do you think? Where my the hell were you floating the river? What is this? This is this is Albany. It's okay. down south of Madison. Okay. A little I, town. I didn't even know you could float rivers there, or tube, as they call it in in, in great old Wisconsin. Um, yeah, there was actually, believe it or not, someone was tubing up in, there was like a group of teenagers tubing up near Minnesota in Wisconsin on the St. Croix yeah. River, and there was like a crazy dude that stabbed one of them. Like, it, the it was big news. The police showed up, by and, the way, when I yeah. was yeah. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. What, what were they, you guys like, doing? You were petting the donkeys, weren't you? Well, someone got lost. <laughs> there was there was like a search and rescue team. I'm not kidding. Holy cow! So, Listen, you see that? In you the know, you, uh, tubing or floating the river should not be that dangerous. It's usually just a bunch of people floating on tubes and drinking beer. It should be a good time had by all. So um, that's pretty crazy. Speaking of. Uh, drinking beer. I was doing some on Saturday. My nephew graduating from high school. He's going to UW Stout. So in Wisconsin, they say, when in doubt, go to Stout, or at least that used to be the saying. But um, he's actually a pretty bright kid, and he's going to do like STEM, whatever the hell STEM is. Does everybody know what STEM is? That wasn't around when I was around. But Eric probably knows what STEM is. Do you know what STEM is? Yeah. I uh, don't recall what that stands for, and that's horrible of me since I work in a school district, but uh, don't deal with the STEM is it like stuff s- a lot. But that's like a lot of science. Like science, and right? Science jobs. and mathematics yeah. and, and stuff like that. So he's going to do that. But anyways, like my whole family, except for my parents and sister, uh, my parents and sister and her family, they all live in Janesville. And um, which is about, I don't know, an hour and a half north of Chicago. The rest of my family's all from Chicago. I live just north of Madison. So go down there, and my whole family from Chicago is there. When I say whole family, like, you know, we're Italian on my mom's side. That's a big family. Cousins that may or may not even be cousins we call cousins. Um, <laughs> it's just how big the family is. And it's so funny because they all know that I'm plant-based now. And so they will go out of their way to literally barb me every time. They, they stick me with it. They're like, oh, don't you wish you were eating this or eating like, you know, big giant beef sandwiches and stuff like that. I'm like, no, I'm really, I'm, I'm okay. And of course, they'll go and grab a handful of grass and they'll try to throw that your way. You're hungry now. And, you know, <laughs> you, you get this. And I'm just amazed by, and, and I know it's all in good fun and all of that kind of stuff. But when you become plant-based, and I'm sure other people have probably experienced this as well, when you become plant-based, it's your family that's the hardest obstacle to overcome. I mean, they will not let up at all. Friends, family, acquaintances, whoever knows you, all of a sudden they're not supportive of your diet anymore. All they want to do is make fun of it. They think you're going to waste away. They think all you eat are salads. They think, you know, everything is, you know, about grass and all of that. And I'm like, hey, listen, I might smoke grass. But I'm not eating grass, okay? There's a, there's a big difference here in what, in what plant-based is. But that was basically my weekend in a nutshell. It was just my family making fun of me um, for being vegan. And, um, yeah, that was it. I've, I've been vegetarian. I've been vegetarian my whole life. Yeah. John, my fiancé's family, is Italian. And so far, so good. But maybe that's because it was from the very beginning. And they found out early on I was easy wait what Sorry. Um, <laughs> we didn't know this about easy to, serve yeah. Food. Yeah. <laughs> easy to serve food oh, to at a okay. family gathering all right, all right. uh i i didn't need something else do you know what i mean i can i can pick meat out of a, a pasta i can just eat the salad and figure out what i need to eat before or after and I, that's my own family too my mom loves making something separate for me my whole life well, most of it. She made the most fantastic gravy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually vegan, not just vegetarian, if I, if I recall, for Thanksgiving. Okay, nice. And I, I mean, I never tried the other stuff, but n- that didn't care to. And yeah, so I would, I would freeze that and have it on potatoes later in the so- year. Fantastic vegan gravy. beautiful last week we found out that you were cheap, and now we found out that you're easy today on the show. <laughs> cheap and easy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> These are things you usually you don't want to advertise, Sarah, as as a lady. You know, yeah. we uh, we don't want to do that. 
I so, know. Okay. Anyways, I'm glad everybody had a, a great weekend. We are all here. We're ready for our show. Very excited about Alexandra Paul coming on. And what I did, like in preparation for Stephanie Holden from Baywatch coming on the program, is I started watching old episodes of Baywatch. And I was watching, I just got done right before we came on today. I watched the Stephanie Holden death montage where they, I, and this is, this is amazing to me. I couldn't remember that they had killed off her character. I, for some reason, had it in my mind that she was there from season one and made it all the way to the end of the show, and actually, that wasn't the case at all. She was on, like, from seasons three through seven, but I think it just made such an impression on me. I had always transposed or whatever in my mind that she was there for the entire duration of the series, but she was there... Um, you know, and, and the death montage, there was Yasmeen Bleeth who was crying and Pamela Anderson. And I believe that was Jenna Lee Nolan or was it Jenna Lee Olin, I think was her name. The one of the blonde lifeguards that was on Baywatch. I can't remember her name. Uh, right off the top of my head, and I should probably Google it, but then that'll stop me from talking. So Eric's looking it up right now, I think, diligently for me. And I think it, maybe it's Jenna. It's G-E-N-A, then space L-E-E, and then her name's got to pop up by then. But she was on Baywatch. And, you know, then there was Alexandra Paul, and Alexandra Paul played Stephanie Holden like Stephanie was... Jenna Lee Nolan is Nolan. Correct. Okay, so Nolan. Jenna Lee Nolan was on there um, as well. And Stephanie, I, I, they, they killed her off. She went sailing with her new husband, and a mast from the sailboat fell on her and killed her. That's how they decided to kill off her character. And I was thinking, are they mad at her? Like, what the hell? So not like a shark no, or anything No, like it that. wasn't even anything cool. Like, I would think, like, being a lifeguard, like, she would die, like, trying to save somebody else's life. And maybe she did save somebody else's life, but they, they would kill her off that way. Nah, a mast from a sailboat uh, fell over and killed her. And I'm like, that's a bad okay. way to kill off a character. So, so Baywatch... This was when did that premiere in ninety eighty nine? Believe it or not, I looked it up. And I'm like, was it was before. the freaking eighties still. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I was born in eighty eight. I am old enough to know what Baywatch was. Not old enough to remember and like retain information from watching episodes. What I did remember or thought I remembered was, I swear to God, it was called Babe Watch. Well, I grew up thinking it was called Babe Watch, <laughs> which I wasn't entirely wrong. And it wasn't about uh, a so it wasn't about a pig like Babe in the City and yeah, yeah right yeah. red swimsuit yeah. too funny no there was <laughs> so there was this guy when I grew up like the house I grew up in he would run past every day like just on a run and he had red shorts and he always had no shirt on and he had curly brown hair I swear I thought it was David Hasselhoff. I think I even stopped him one day and asked if he was on Baywatch because in my mind, oh, in no. my world, the world is so small. Right. Bay, I mean, Baywatch was a huge show. It was not. So I, I'm glad it made an impact on you. Mm -hmm. They did a remake. Uh, the movie came out, I believe it was like 2017, and The Rock was in it, and Zac Efron. Oh, yeah. And there was someone who played Stephanie, who was like The Rock's girlfriend and all of that. So um, The Rock played the role that was played by David Hasselhoff, who was also on Knight Rider. Um, do you remember that show? You, did you ever see Knight Rider, Eric? Uh, I never saw it. I just saw the uh, Family Guy oh, yeah. spoofs yep. of it. it was I mean, Kit, the, like episodes and yeah. clips, but not actually watching Kit, the talking car, uh, you know, and all of that. So, But the 90s was the last time. Now, this is, this is my theory, maybe, and maybe other people have floated this theory out there. All right. It was the last time that we actually all sat around and watched TV at the same time because there were no streaming services at this point and you know you could vcr you know like like you could tape things but people usually made appointment television and they would sit down in front of the tv yep. and if it was on i remember so many times you know someone would go to the bathroom like oh you got to go to the bathroom during a commercial if they weren't going to make it back you were yelling it's on it's on and they'd come running back yep. to yep. to watch tv and eric's looking at us like we're nuts because he has no memory of this and no <laughs> I, I remember those times i, I mean i yeah I don't really remember the time when commercials were not on TV. 
Although I know that it yeah, existed. it existed, and um, it, I mean, it was it was good times actually. I mean, but if you wanted to watch something, you had to watch it when it was on, and then people didn't care about spoilers. I mean, they would talk about it right away, uh, and especially stuff that was on like network television, so things that were on ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox. I mean, those got big eyeballs, and people watched them and talked about them. And it's not that way at all today. I think it was somebody uh, that I was listening to that said, now when you create a show. Not only are you up against all the shows that you're up against in a time slot or whatever, you're up against every show and movie that's ever been made ever, ever, because that's what people have access to when they have Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus and Paramount Plus, Peacock, all of that kind of stuff. I mean, you have all those streaming services. You have a library of things that you can watch forever and ever and ever. And so... And I have to say, sometimes I, I love that it, 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 in the acting world and in that industry. I imagine that's remarkably stressful. I love having it, but sometimes it's stressful yeah. to me. We'll sit there and have too yeah, many. Yeah, what do I options. watch next? Which are we going yeah. to tonight? But without uh-huh. that, like the the ability to go back and watch whatever, whenever, and have all these uh, old shows come back and be popular again, that's what that's done. But also. Like people like Kate Bush are just loving the fact that you know her song ended up being in Stranger Things, and that was such a has such a cult following. Yeah. That now her song from thirty years ago. Everyone in my house watches Stranger Things except for me. I have no idea what the hell that is about, but everybody like my. Yeah, that's my, a good one. Even my wife baked a cake for my son. My daughter decorated it for his birthday and put on the cake. Friends don't lie. And I'm like, I have no idea what the hell this means. They're like, it's from Stranger <laughs> Things, Dad. I'm like, yeah, I... <laughs> See, this is what people need to rib you about, not the vegan. Hey, I, you know, right? I watch modern stuff. Like, I watch new shows that are out. It's just um, not shows... You've had plenty of time to watch yeah, Stranger probably. Things. Yeah, probably. Yeah, but I'm, I'm like... There's only yeah, four but I gotta like rewatch Breaking right Bad now. for the fifth time, or rewatch Sons of Anarchy for the fourth time before I'm gonna watch Stranger Things. You know, I just, I guess You're gonna so. regret it. That's that's where I'm at. But anyways, friends don't lie. I learned that from from Stranger Things. Uh, speaking of things that we are going to learn, we're gonna learn all about Alexandra Paul. Don't go anywhere because she is coming up next right here on the Real Many Plans podcast. All right, I've got something that I think is pretty cool to tell you about right now, and that is our partnership with Paul's Party. That's right. The Real Men Eat Plans podcast has teamed up with Paul's Party, a charity that funds FUN, and that's F-U-N, all capitalized, for kids with physical disabilities. Now, here's how it works. Just go to our website, realmeneatplans.com, and click on the link for our Paul's Party fundraiser. All through the month of August, we are splitting funds 50-50, with this awesome charity. Your contribution of six bucks will help pay for the costs of our very fine podcast, as well as raise some serious coin for Paul's party. Now, Paul was a great kid who passed away at the age of 15, but his mom wanted to remember him by having a party on the anniversary of his death to help raise money for local charities. Well, they ended up bringing in over $15,000, and with that, a new 501c3 was born. Paul's Party does some amazing events like Paul Palooza, which is Sunday, August the 28th at the beautiful Wisconsin Brewing Company in Verona, Wisconsin. Yeah, there's going to be bands there all day long, great food, and some delicious Wisconsin Brewing Company beer. you got to like that. Now, I would like to present them a big, fat, oversized check with a generous donation courtesy of our podcast subscribers on that day. Again, just go to our podcast page on realmeneatplants.com or click on the link or go even to patreon.com and type realmeneatplants into the search and give today. Thank you so much for your support and a special thanks to Kathy, Paul's mom, for making all of this possible. Guest time now on the pod, and I tell you what, our guest today, we are so excited to have her, has over 100 film and television credits to her name, and is known around the world for her role as Stephanie Holden on Baywatch. She is the host of the wildly popular Switch for Good podcast, where she works with Olympian Dotsie Bausch, who, by the way, was on our show last week. 
Our guest today is also a health coach, an ACLU activist of the year, and has literally been arrested dozens of times fighting for animal rights and against nuclear weapons. She is as famous as she is fierce. Please welcome to the Real Men Eat Plants podcast, Alexandra Paul. Oh, Alexandra, thank you we so are much. Yeah, we are so excited to have you. Uh, I mean, this is this is so big for us. In that whole intro that I was just doing right there, did I miss anything? Because I, I, I'm sure there's even even more to this. That is a slew of things that you have going on. <laughs> well, you know, I am 59 years old, and I have been an activist since I was seven years old. So yes, you missed a lot, wow. but that's okay. You can't capture everything. <laughs> So. Okay, seven years old. First of all, okay, how do you start that young, and then where does that fire come from? Because I don't think a lot of people are born with that. So where, where did it come from for you? Was it manifested somehow? Were, were your parents activists? How did you get to that point where you said, you know what, I, I got this in me and I got to let it out? My first activism was when I wrote to President Nixon, uh, which dates me, of course, but um, and asked him to stop pollution. And my sister and I and our friend Nancy Simons got um, uh, a, um, a letter back each, and we were so excited. We felt like we'd been heard. And then we realized that it was the exact same letter and that maybe it wasn't President Nixon's signature, but a stamp <laughs> at the bottom. But we still got a reply, and I think that was the beginning of me understanding that if you take an action, you somebody does hear you somewhere. And um, yeah, my mom was a liberal Democrat and my dad was a conservative Repu Republican. So we were aware oh, of wow. people's <laughs> opinions in the world. Um, and my mom always gave blood and voted and volunteered. And so I think that's where I got it from. Now, Alex, uh, Andrew, you know, while know we're kind of talking about, about all the different rest? things to... Hold on, guys. We're, we're going at, at the same time again. Uh, Sarah, go ahead. I, I know you got a question. Oh, no, I was just saying, I apologize, Eric. Sometimes we can't hear each other. <laughs> but, Alexandra, we're just talking about a lot of arrests. Um, I, I imagine that's hard to count. But can you talk a little bit about why you're willing to let that happen for the cause? So, Sarah, what, by the way, just so everyone knows, those arrests are all for uh, peaceful civil disobedience is when you willingly um, get arrested to protest, to make a statement about how important an issue is to you. And so you either uh, trespass or dissipate um, an officer who asks you to disperse or you, in my, as in my case, you sit in a car to try and stop uh, an, a caravan of electric cars from being crushed, which you can see in the documentary, Who Killed the Electric Car? But I think for me, um, mm -hmm. activism comes in all forms. Like some people are comfortable writing letters, and that is so important. Some people give money. Some people hold signs in streets. Some people, um, you know, uh, post on Facebook. Uh, some people will volunteer, walking dogs, whatever is important at hospitals. And then there's also civil disobedience. And as a, a white middle-class woman, I felt very protected with the police that I wouldn't be abused. A lot of people wouldn't be able to do civil disobedience because of the color of their skin. Uh, males are obviously more vulnerable. Um, my age now is older, but then when I was very young, I also felt protected, I guess. So I've always, and just being a middle-class American makes it safer for me. And so because of that, I feel like, in a way, I have a duty and I, uh, to do it because I am able to do it. That's not to say that everybody who is a white middle-class woman should do it, because I also don't have <laughs> kids at home that need to be home uh, need me to be there every night. My husband will take care of the cats if they need to be taken care of. <laughs> and, I, and, and, and in my career as an actress, being arrested for civil disobedience is nothing compared to the arrests of most actors and musicians and things like that out there. So it doesn't uh, reflect, it doesn't affect my ability to earn money. So there are many reasons why I feel like um, I can engage in that kind of activism. It's not better or worse than yeah. any yeah. other kind. Yeah, that's certainly along the, the lines of, uh, you know, using your uh, privilege, if you will, to and your circumstances to, to do good work in the world. 
Now, you know, we're going to get into more of the acting uh, conversation, I think, in a minute. But do you ever think that maybe this is a path like civil rights, uh, you know, animal rights activism would be something that you would do for a career if you never got into modeling and acting? I, when I was um, applying to colleges, I always, uh, they asked what your major was, and it, I wanted to be environmental science because I wanted to be involved some, somehow in the environment and helping nature. So I would have gotten into a career, yes, of doing something that helped. I don't know if I would have gotten in, involved in a nonprofit. Um, it's hard to make a nonprofit your career and still retain a fire because you have to do it day in and day out. And I'm fortunate that I can move from different worlds, like the world of acting, which is, you know, superficial in a lot of ways and uh, can be very ego stroking to a world that's much tougher, which is, you know, being in jail for a few days um, or speaking out when other people don't agree with me. When, uh, I, when the Iraq war first um, started in the United States, there was even my most liberal friends would not have spoken out against the Iraq war, but that was my first um, arrest against the Iraq war was the first day of bombing because I felt so stri strongly about it. Um, but, you know, it wasn't always easy in my circle to be one of those people against the war, especially when you worry that you're hurting morale of soldiers and the kind of messaging that we all get when a country starts mm -hmm. a war. Hey, let me tell you this. I, I was in the Army when that was going on, and I was very thankful that there were activists because the last person who wanted to go to war was me. I think the last person that ever wants to get into a war is a soldier. I mean, I think, you know, even when I signed up, I'm there for defense purposes. I'm not there to attack anybody. And so I'm glad that there were activists like you that were saying something like that, that definitely as a soldier you could not say. Um, but I was I was glad that people like you were out there. And um, I'm also, uh, I'm going to be remiss if I don't at least start down this path. Now, we're, we're going to get back into the activism, but my audience is going to kill me if we're not going to talk about Bay watch here a little bit because everybody remembers you from Baywatch and I got to say if you're watching this on YouTube we're going to have it out in September Alexandra you look like you can jump in and save people right now as a lifeguard um, and and doing a save now what what I can, I, you know, my, I can. yeah I, I bet you can I mean you you are in in fantastic shape you look beautiful and I I was just thinking about it my my memories of you on Baywatch because I I I was always the the I was I was the fan of yours. Like you know, there there were guys and they're all about Pamela or all about you know Yasmin Bleep. And I'm like, no no no, that one right there, that's the one. Um, and I was always blown away with you on the show. Talk about y your memories of it because my memories of it are just wrong. I went back and was prepping for the show and I was thinking that you were on from episode one all the way to the very end. I had <laughs> forgotten that they had killed your character off somehow. I, I I don't know how I got this in my head, but I was thinking she was on the show the entire run of the of the show. That was my memory of it, which was off. What what are your memories of it? What what do you take away from your time on Baywatch? Um, you know, working alongside some of those those big, huge name actors that that you were with, and and doing love scenes with David Hasselhoff and and, and all of that kind of good stuff. I mean, there, there's probably so much to unpack there, but but talk about it, if you could some of the memories you have of, of working on Baywatch. Well, I don't want to disavow you of the, of the belief that I was on for all 12 seasons, but, uh, <laughs> but I actually was only on for five seasons, um, but thank you. I think because I was very different from the other actors, um, I uh, do not have a curvaceous body. Um, I'm very athletic. My hair was brown, and I cut it uh, after my first season. Um, that I, I am more likely to be associated with the show uh, because I, you know, uh, just was stood out more, I guess, for better mm -hmm. or for worse. Um, I learned something actually doing that was because I was cast. I was a very good swimmer, so I was cast also because I was a good swimmer. David Hasselhoff liked that I was very tall. I'm 5'10", and he's 6'4". Um, and so I, I did play his love interest for a lot of the show. Um, but when I first was cast, you know, I was thinking, why am I here? 
Um, and then I realized that I shouldn't try and be like the other beautiful blondes who were so sexy and gorgeous because I couldn't do that. I mean, even if you gave me breast implants and dyed my hair blonde and added extensions, <laughs> it's just not my personality to um, be able to exude that kind of sexiness. I grew up in New England and we just didn't, I wasn't taught how to do, that was reserves sexuality was really reserved for my boyfriends. Um, and so I was so not comfortable with exuding that in public. So it just isn't my aura. And so what I, by cutting my hair, I didn't realize this at the time, and actually I started lifting weights again my second season, I actually became more of who I am instead of trying to be something that I wasn't, that those women did so beautifully themselves. And, and it really did help me stand out by being more myself when a lot of people would have thought, well, you're just going to get kicked off the show. But no, they actually liked that about it. So it really helped my confidence in myself just to be more yourself and you'll travel a certain path and it might not be the path you thought, but um, it was. And it was out of, as you said, I have done a um, hundred television shows or movies, most of them in which I've starred. It was my favorite job. And I didn't think it was hmm. going to be because in the early 90s, being a movie actress coming from movies where I starred alongside Tom Hanks and Jeff Bridges and Kevin Costner and moving into TV, it was, it was a dangerous game then. You didn't, most actors didn't move comfortably between those two mediums. And so I was afraid that I would get caught in TV land forever. I t turned out I really love TV land and wouldn't mind getting caught in TV land forever because it's such a, I love the fast pace. I love the camaraderie of a series um, and the, the steadiness of the work, being with a character for a long time. There's so many benefits that I didn't recognize um, before I started Baywatch. And, and I, the only reason I did it was because I said yes to the offer was because my manager said, you're doing a lot of independent movies Alexandra and this show this little show Baywatch who nobody liked in the United States is very <laughs> successful in Germany nobody knew that um, so you should oh, do it because yeah. a lot of your independent shows your independent movies are being financed by Germany so you should you should do Baywatch <laughs> so I said okay and uh, it turned out to be much more than that um, but and, and and then became the most watched show in the world at that time well, and of and course, when you think tremendous. about a show we like we were just Baywatch. talking about your show before you came on, and one of the things you started talking about is that that sexiness and where it's defined, how it's defined. I know, um, doing some research on you myself, that you have battled bulimia for many years, and I just wonder how, you know, how you've been able to continue to do so because I don't think that's something that ever completely leaves you, especially while also focusing so hard on diet. Uh, it's a healthy diet, but that eating disorder element of it, I imagine, was a tough stretch, especially during, I imagine, Baywatch. Well, that's such a good question. I struggled with anorexia and then bulimia from ages um, 16 to 28. I was cast in Baywatch the year mm -hmm. after I stopped throwing up and binging. I would have said no to the show if I was had been in my eating disorder because I would have known that being in a bathing suit every day would have just triggered, been a huge trigger, and it would have gotten worse. That's why I left modeling. And But when I was not binging or throwing up anymore, it was like this huge weight off my shoulder, and I was able to say yes to the show and feel so much more comfortable in my body because I was... I used to cry for years afterwards knowing that I had overcome this huge burden that I never believed that I would overcome. And when I say overcome, Sarah, you're right. Addictions stay with us and we have to be wary because we can be sober or abstinent um, or not gamble anymore or whatever the addiction is. They're so varied. But we can get back there in a second if we're not vigilant. I always feel that, which is why I, I was in um, a 12-step program over Eaters Anonymous, and I called my sponsor every day for 10 years, well after I felt like I was thoroughly abstinent. Uh -huh. And I don't go to meetings anymore, but I still think the support system is so important. So having 
the show Switch for Good, where we deal with disordered eating in some shows, and having Dotsie, who's experienced it myself, mm-hmm. and also talking with people like you about it, helps me stay on course. Um, and so during Baywatch, being in a bathing suit was actually freeing for me because I didn't have to worry that I was going to binge later. And interestingly, like every addiction, it starts out to be about one thing. And for me, I'm sure there was control issues and authenticity that I wasn't being authentic. And so I used food to soothe me. But I also used the bulimia to try and maintain my weight. And after 10 years, of 12 years, it doesn't work anymore. Just like alcohol, we pick alcohol for a certain reason, and then the alcohol just blows that reason out of the water, and there's um, many other reasons why and problems that come with it. When I stopped throwing up, my weight actually went down and stabilized, and I didn't have the up and down that I did during my binging and purging. Mm -hmm. And so that also helped me a lot. And I think I also felt really so grateful that I wasn't as worried about, am I perfect? Do I look perfect or anything like that? Because I was so grateful that I had overcome this huge psychic pain. Well, and I'm glad yeah, Sarah asked that question hear. because when you are into modeling and into acting, you know, that's obviously, you know, image a big part of the success, you know, in a lot of ways. And I, when you think about someone being on a show like Baywatch, you're probably thinking, you know, about that, that image. And well, that's probably the type of role they're usually cast into is like the eye candy type of thing. But then you've been in some other films and, and uh, shows that are very not like that role. So do you have a, you know, another kind of favorite or something that sticks out when you think about your, your illustrious career? Um, well, thank you. I know that people used to look at me when I was on Baywatch and they would think it was so odd that I was on Baywatch because it was so counter to my very earnest self. And believe me, I was super earnest in my 20s and very serious <laughs> about everything. And here I was on this very light show. Um, but I have always loved doing, like I have starred in uh, 14 Lifetime movies. Those are light fare also. And I really enjoy doing that. Um, So it's really the character that I like. I don't really judge the writing or where it's going to go because I have no control over that. So it's just the work. And I've always liked playing people who aren't um, that nice because I did strive to be nice. Being nice was so important to me in my youth. One of the reasons why I was bulimic. A lot of bulimics are very much people pleasers. And so I like playing characters that are not as acceptable. So several, and sexuality too. I like exhibiting my sexuality. So several prostitutes, 8 Million Ways to Die was one of them. Um, And several other shows, and I've forgotten what their names are. Um, But so I like doing that darker side. Um, Not that prostitution is dark. I'm actually for the decriminalization of prostitution. So... Uh, and I've met and interviewed prostitutes for my roles. And, uh, but I like to play roles that are different from me, like that, like in 8 Million Ways to Die. Yeah, and you know it's kind of funny where everybody knows you from now. Everybody knows you from Baywatch, but when I was putting out there that you were going to be on the show, there were people contacting me. They're like, "She was an American Flyer. She was an American Flyers." And and my wife, when when she saw you, she's like, "Oh my god, I've seen her in so many Lifetime movies. My wife is addicted to Lifetime movies." And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and it's, "It's just so funny where where people know you from." Uh, uh-huh. You know, my 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 last question about Baywatch because you know this always seems to be like whenever there's a reunion show they someone's got to ask this question do do you ever stay in touch with anybody on the cast is is it still something that you do or uh, because in the 90s we didn't have facebook and we didn't have texting we didn't have that stuff to to try and stay connected do you ever still stay in touch with anybody from the cast at all oh yes well david hasselhoff had his 70th birthday a couple weeks ago and i was invited but i was going to see my mom and so I couldn't, I, I had to say no because I was worried about COVID. It was, there's been a real spike here in Los Angeles, but it was really nice to have several texts with him afterwards. And Jason Simmons, who played the Australian Logan on the show, is one of my mm-hmm. closest friends from the show. And uh, David Chokichi, who played Cody on the show. So we uh, get together um, a bunch of times, yeah, wow. each year and stay in touch. And uh, I've been in touch with Yasmin. And Jeremy Jackson, whom I adore, he's he's gone through a lot. He played yeah. Obi, David's son. Um, we're also very mm-hmm. close. 
And now you're talking about all these people you keep in touch with. Uh, also, before we had you on, we were talking about being judged for how we eat. So I'm, I'm turning the conversation now to the plant-based diet. Um, how do you help other people, whether they're your family members, your friends, or just for advice even. Like, I want to try this. How do I even begin? Because uh, we hope there are people listening um, that had just kind of dip in their well, toes first in. first I want to say as someone with an eating disorder, I, was veg- I became vegetarian when I was 14, but for the environment mostly. And then I started going over towards animals, so gave up, um, like, wearing animals when I was in my 20s, etc. But I did not become vegan until I was, until 11 years ago, so 48 all right, 48, something like that. And it took me 33 years. It's one of my biggest regrets. And the, I had this story in my head that if I became a vegan, it was going to be restrictive and I might go back to my eating disorder. Not true. The opposite happened. I actually, because my diet was aligned with my values, I felt even more at comfortable with food. So, uh, and, and, and as a lot of vegans will say, it actually opens up your menu because instead of just having you know, one of the four meats that Americans eat on their plate. We have, you know, so many varieties of vegetables and nuts and seeds and beans. And of course, plant milk, there's like 12 different kinds, but there's only cow's milk and maybe goat's milk in the, in the supermarket. So we have to remember it's not restrictive. So I try and get that because people are afraid of what they're not going to be getting, but actually they're going to be getting more options once they take away just the meat and dairy. Um, the second thing I do is a lot of, I used to hand out um, pamphlets uh, for uh, you know organizations, uh, I think it was called uh, Compassionate Vegans or something like that, uh, on college campuses. And a lot of people would tell me, oh, but I can't give up cheese. And I would just say, okay, don't give up cheese. Give up everything else that doesn't really matter to you because an animal died for you. And if you just go, oh, I think I'll have two bites and leave it. That is so disrespectful. So give up what's easy. And then I'm confident that after they've given up certain things, they'll start to just, their heart will change, like my heart changed. And they will have the the courage to try giving up cheese. Um, But if they really love something, I say, keep that. And, you know, having... Having 8 billion people be sort of vegan is better than having, you know, uh, 100,000 be perfectly vegan. Absolutely. And that was a very good example, cheese, because we're here in Wisconsin, the three of us. Behind the cheddar curtain, as as we call it. And, and, you know, dairy is one of those fights that that you have going on. So if you could, because we we talked with Dotsie a little bit about it, but how did the, the Switch for Good podcast come together because I, I didn't delve into that with her we talked about the pod but but how did you guys meet up how did you get that started and, and if you could talk about what what switch for good is, is actually doing so switch for good is Dotsie's organization and I came to her because we were we were on a on a panel together and I was looking to do a podcast but I and I like I'm a team player like you guys look like you are too. And I wanted to have a partner and I hadn't found someone who had the same drive as I. When I was on this panel I, and I met Dotsie, just for, just for what, the half hour that we were together, I was like, that's the woman I want to be partnered with. <laughs> we, we shared a lot of the same passion and our history of eating disorders too. And so I just called her and said, would you like to do a podcast together? I'm not really sure what I want to do about, but I want to help people feel better about themselves and be healthier. And so we talked about um, veganism and, and disordered eating. And so we do have shows about disordered eating and we're very honest about it. And so many Americans have that. But most of our shows focus on uh, helping people get excited about a plant-based diet. And we decided to put it under the banner of her new nonprofit, Switch for Good, because it would help Switch for Good and then the branding would just be easier. And I was like, sure, it doesn't have to be the Alexandra Paul and Dottie show. It's not at all. I'm happy to put it under switch for good. And so that's how it started. I just called her and asked her out for a date. What about you guys? Did you start that way? <laughs> we have we have long like uh, broadcasting careers. I was mostly in radio. I met Eric through radio, and then we did TV together. Sarah's been in TV like forever. She was she's the one like real professional out of the uh, three of us. You know that. Uh... <laughs> 
This is true. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and I think we just enjoy each other, and you know we're all on on our paths for you know what, what whatever plant based that we're on, and I'm I'm full on you know vegan, and um, you know Sarah's a vegetarian, and Eric is dipping his toe in, and we wanted people too Yay. that have different points of views that are at different spots, so that we could talk about that um, rather than just being oh we're all vegan, and we're going to bash you over the head with vegan. It's like no no we're all on different journeys and at different points of that journey, and we want to share all of those experiences with you, and so. Um, what's what's next for you now? Where are we going to see you next? Um, what is next with your activism? What are you up to these days, Alexander? <laughs> if you could let everyone know, besides besides the podcast and and getting arrested every other week. <laughs> um, well, I'm also a health coach, as you know. So I have a health coaching business, and I help all people. Not just people. It's not about veganism. Uh, I help them get healthier or overcome any of the, the blocks they might have to being healthier and fitter. And so I'm very excited about that. And I'm, I don't have any acting projects in the future, actually. I had two movies this year that I shot, and I'm hoping for, you know, something next year. <laughs> so, and then Excellent. in terms of my Excellent. activism, Absolutely just... love it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Alexandra. I'm sorry. I, I oh, stepped down here right there. No, no. Um, just in terms of my activism, I'm, I'm going to continue trying to encourage uh, people to understand that being vegan can be just a wonderful choice. And you don't have to be perfect. That any step that you take for animals is the animals will thank you. Absolutely. And we thank you so much for being here. You can check her out at switchforgood.com. Again, that's switch, the number four, good, uh, dot org, actually, is, is that one, right? And then we have alexandrapaul.com. And so you can check out everything there as well. Check out their podcast. Absolutely wonderful. I've been listening to it lately, and now I am stuck on it. I absolutely love it and, and became a subscriber and, and can't stop listening to it. I think you ladies do an awesome job. We are just so blown away by how fierce both you and Dotsie are and uh, it, it is just amazing so hopefully you will keep up the good fight and we'll try to keep up the good fight on our end and I got to tell you it has been an absolute pleasure having you on so <laughs> Stephanie Holden from Baywatch Alexandra Paul there she is thank you so much for being here today it was my pleasure and best of luck with the podcast I'm so excited thank you for thank you so much for doing it all right, time to tell you about Veg Reg. Yeah, VegReg.com helps you find plant-based restaurants and businesses in just one click. And if you are a vegan-friendly business, they can help you get found. If you're searching for healthy, cruelty-free meal options in your local area, Veg Reg is the perfect solution. Another great thing about Veg Reg, they have recipes. And when I say recipes, I mean real recipes. A bacon lover's BLT. Cookie Dough Protein Bites, Penne Arrabbiata, now that's the entree and not the character from The Sopranos, and even a vanilla bean, that's vanilla bean, he said, cheesecake, and they are all plant-based. You can also find Spotlight Vegan Businesses and more when you click on over to VegReg.com. I would say tell them that Rich sent you, but you know, it's a website and no one would hear you. That's VegReg.com. Welcome to Shilor Select. The whole system will be ready in a few minutes. Take your seat and enjoy. Everyone has a story that's built on thousands of hows, whys, and whats. Join myself, Chris Sheeler, as I dive into how people live their lives, why they do what they do, and what goes through their mind while they do it. If you love learning and what makes people tick, my podcast, Sheeler Select, has you covered. New episodes every Monday. Find it on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or just anywhere you get a podcast. She's a mom with vegetables. She's so delectable. The cows and pigs, she set them free. Can't you see? She's a hot chickpea. Veggie stew, just for you. Sit on down, there's these or two.
She's a mom with vegetables. She's so delectable. Cows and pigs, she set them free. Can't you see? She's a hot chip bee. Veggie stew, just for you. Sit on down, there's dessert too. She's a hot chickpea. Yes, Miss Sarah Carlson is here with the news. And Sarah, take it away. All right. This one has me, sadly, or whatever, somehow not surprised. The longtime chain Cracker Barrel has an impossible sausage on the menu. That would make me go in there to eat for the first time, I'd admit. But apparently there's drama, drama over it uh, among customers. So now you can order the Impossible brand plant-based sausage as part of this build-your-own-breakfast combo. So you're not forced to eat it, but Mm -hmm. you could pick it. It's got eggs, biscuits, and gravy, obviously not vegan, but you can also add this Impossible meat. So they kicked it off in the summer, this edition, and it went to social media to promote it, did it in a really cute way, and then, ugh, that's the only word I have to say. People What'd got say? pissed off. I mean, seriously lost their with minds. The- I, I saw yeah. this like pop up over the weekend. And I'm like, you got to be freaking kidding me that anybody would mm-hmm. be mad about this. Like old people, hello, knock, knock. You don't have to order it if you don't want to order it. And everything else on the Cracker Barrel menu is staying the same. They'll still have, like Sarah yeah, was saying, yeah, the, the sausage. What's messed up about eggs. it is I mean, like, so if they're going to get pissed that, an impossible sausage or whatever is on the menu. But why do we not have the same reaction that a salad is on a menu at any restaurant you go to? Right. You know, it's right. Exactly. You know, or apple slices at McDonald's or something like that. I don't know. I I suppose. Well, listen to what some people said. Okay. So they posted this Facebook picture (laughs) and the capture read discover new meat frontiers, letting them know there was a new item to choose from. So 12,000 comments, I'm understanding that is a lot for them. Many of them condemning Cracker Barrel for this. One follower wrote, quote, you can take my pork sausage when you pry it from my cold, dead hands. Unbelievable. It'll be sooner than most people. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. And it wasn't taking anything off the menu. It's not like they said, well, we're not going to offer any more pork sausage. There's just this (laughs) option in case you don't want to eat pork in this one part of your meal. And people lost their friggin' minds. I mean, it's... Another one was, don't tread on my pork. (laughs) Of course. Wow. But you know, like that's the type of people that are in the comments section. Yeah, you know, it, they, this is yeah. There, there are people like my dad who, by the way, would never comment on social media and is not on social media at all, but finds it all as an affront. And actually, he has had he's had a pacemaker put in, and he's had a bunch of stents and bypass and all this other kind of stuff. And he told me he goes, "I would rather." die than eat the way that you're eating i'm like okay your wish is granted uh you know and it's coming up soon <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know what else to tell you but he gets I mean, I mean like offended by the fact that anyone would possibly put something on the menu that doesn't contain meat and cheese and i'm like i i don't understand it i don't get the visceral so you reaction left out of the will that there there rich? might be that possibility at, at this point yeah i i'm i'm under the assumption okay. at this point that my parents love me but they do not like me uh um, and so, yes, there is that possibility. The only saving grace I have is that Wisconsin is a, uh, what do they call it? It's it's not a Commonwealth state, but when, when you die as a parent, no matter what you put in your will, it's split evenly amongst the people that you leave behind. So if my mom's still alive, she'll get 100% of it. But then if she was to die too, then me and my sister would split it halfway. I don't know what's going to be left. They go on long cruises and crap. I think they're trying to spend it all before they die and more power to them, I guess. Is the way. Exactly. <laughs> that, that I like well, the good news the good news about this story uh, is that some people defended this in the comments. I suppose they had to scroll a ways before this <laughs> they found it in the story. The world is crumbling. This is a quote. The world is crumbling, but let's get mad that you have another option for wow. breakfast. And that at the time too, by the way, when this was all going down as it relates to the climate, the southern part of the country where the Cracker Barrel headquarters is the, they were dealing with some of the hottest temperatures ever recorded under heat alerts. People were not surviving this. And so let's all take a step back and look at what we're 
getting mad about and commenting on. Yeah, I didn't even media. know Cracker Barrel existed until it was like 1984. We went on a road trip as a family to uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. So St. Pete Beach we ended up staying at. And we mm. drove through the south and hit a Cracker Barrel in Georgia. There were a bunch of you know billboards for it and ate at one. And they had, it was the first time in my life I ever had sausage gravy on biscuits and like i had like sauteed apples with it and a big glass of apple cider in a frozen mug is how it was served and i thought wow cracker barrel is the greatest thing ever so there's there's always going to be a place in my heart for cracker barrel and the fact that they're trying out something a little bit different much to the chagrin of their own customer base nothing but kudos to cracker barrel for for doing that i love that they're doing that Exactly. All right. Next story here. The ice cream brand Good Pop. Now, I don't know it, but apparently it's well known for popsicles. They're branching out to make the, their first vegan ice cream sandwich. Mm. Pretty cool stuff. Chocolate vanilla sandwiches made with oat milk for the ice cream. Nice. Um, and now, they first launched back in April at some select locations, but they're going to Costco next in L.A. So this, um, let's see. 15 count box for 11.99 at some LA Costco locations. Testing that out, let's hope that it does well. So they're trying to recreate the classic ice cream sandwich like the ones we grew up with, but cleaner ingredients, more delicious, better for everything, the planet. Um, and this is the cool part too. Since the brand is built around doing good, Good Pop being the name of it, they're going to donate a dollar to charity for every pledge received. So they encourage people to make pledges in in addition to making these ice cream sandwiches. Beautiful. And that makes me want an yeah, ice cream sandwich. Absolutely. And by the way, have cool either one. of you ever tried like vegan ice cream, either from like coconut milk or oat milk or soy milk? No. I did a dairy-free ice cream. I think it was like the Halo Top. Okay, yep, yep. They, they right? make some. I mean, Baskin-Robbins has like two flavors. Um, in fact, the son okay. of the owner of Baskin-Robbins, the Robbins part, his name is Ocean. It's actually like his first name is Ocean Robbins. And Ocean Robbins wrote a book that started modern veganism in the United States. I think it was called A Diet for a New America. It came out in the early 80s, and it was all about veganism. And he was disowned from the Baskin-Robbins fortune. They were so pissed at him. But now Baskin-Robbins actually does have two flavors that are non-dairy. Baskin-Robbins, by the way, is owned by the same company that owns Arby's. So I used to work for them, so I know oh, that. So, yeah. But it's actually su- kind of surprising that they have that. By the way, vegan ice cream is fantastic. It tastes like ice cream. And, and Dairy Queen even has... Is Halo yeah, um, I, I don't know if, if all of it is. If you go to um, Dairy Queen, you can get a vegan dilly bar. So a a chocolate covered like vanilla mm. ice cream thing on a stick that is all vegan and I dare you to tell the difference between that and and the real thing. I mean it's it's fantastic and I don't know why anybody wouldn't switch or everybody wouldn't switch to like vegan ice cream. It's just as freaking good. It's delicious. I know my daughter has a lot of the Halo Top, so I have to check out. the ingredients. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if all of them are. And yesterday. Yeah, and yesterday I happened to be at Costco, one of those, like, yeah, let's pick Sunday to go to Costco, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) And as I sat there trying to choose between, like, my Impossible Burgers and then they did some um, plant-based chicken nuggets, I got all excited about it. I I couldn't count the number of people, like, annoyed by me, not because I'm buying that, but trying to get around me to get to the beef Hmm. and then sort of... For the first time after our last week, I was feeling, yeah. oh, no, this impossible stuff is so good. And it is. We grilled it last night, and you cannot tell the difference. But that's coming from someone who hasn't had beef since she was There you uh, go. By the way, old, your, so. your cat's making an appearance on the program today again, Eric. So was Alexandra's <laughs> cat, right? I mean, it has just been a show. He's, he's losing his mind. cats. I mean, there are, there are cats that are, are uh, yeah. They're they're being very vocal on our pond today. Does your cat like ice cream? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Most cats like milk, so yeah, I would think ice cream is a short little leap. Yeah, Aww. absolutely. What a sweetie. All right. Well, anyway. Yes, uh, ma'am. Next story. Moving on. Vegans. A lot of people have tried to suggest that vegans can't be as strong, mm-hmm. right? And now we. Well, I've heard I this. Where do you get your protein? Where do you get your protein? Where do you get your protein? That's all you ever hear. Well. Uh, 
Lots of things. But this one is a study uh, about vegans doing strength training, having similar bone strength compared to omnivores who do the same thing. It's a new research from the Endocrine Society's journal. So approximately 6% of the people in the U.S. are vegan. Not enough. We're working um, on it. We're going to try to work that. Right. But recent research, there have been people out there suggesting the plant-based diet would be associated with lower bone density um, and maybe a fracture risk or something like that. This new study aimed to find out what the deal was. And they looked at, let's see, 43 men and women on a plant-based diet for five years and 45 men and women on an omnivore diet, so they're eating everything, for the same amount of time, five years. And they found the people on both ends who did any kind of resistance training, machines, free weights, body weight, bands, anything, at least once a week, and that's not a lot, had similar bone strength. So you're not going to crack in half <laughs> if you stop eating the cheese. Um, so let's see, what else? Oh, yeah, but the study found that vegans who engaged in resistance training had stronger bones than those who just did things like absolutely and I, I think we've talked about it yeah i think, yeah, I think we touched on it on, on this pod so the two countries that have the highest instances yeah. of osteoporosis and hip fractures are new zealand and the united states coincidentally those are t the two highest countries as far as drinking milk uh, per capita and how much milk is 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 drunk among the the society and and so you know everybody thinks that you got to have you know dairy for for strong bones and all of that there's just no correlation there at all in fact the, the inverse is true we've talked about why that is so and the inflammation and calcium used in your bones to actually um you know reduce inflammation in your body that's caused when you eat dairy and meat products and so uh yeah i i love that at least these studies are getting out more and more. It's still, so many people want to just ignore them and avoid them like the plague. And I think what it is, and it's even true, like I was talking about being in, at, at the party with, with my family, when you're eating vegan, it kind of flies in the faces of their own food choices. Now, all of a sudden, they look at what they're eating, and now you're making them somehow feel bad that they're eating a sandwich full of meat and cheese rather than a sandwich full of vegetables, and people get pissed at you. They get pissed that you're doing it. They get pissed that you're talking about it, you know, and I I don't get the reaction. I mean, I might, you know, say to myself, huh, well, I'm kind of an open-minded guy. Maybe that tastes good. Maybe, you know, if I did that, I might feel a little bit better or something like that, but people get really upset uh, about whenever you, you do this kind of stuff, and they really are mostly upset with, mm -hmm. with the fact that it kind of makes them feel bad about their own choices. And uh, so there, there's another one of my theories that I'm floating Have out there. Have you, either of you, I know you're into fitness and running and weight training and stuff like that. Have either of you kind of taken a just an overall look at your fitness level ever since either going vegetarian or vegan or, you know, how has your – uh, you know, fitness level improved. Have you seen any kind of Sarah tracking can run on marathons. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I used to have people actually ask me. I have run seven marathons. I'm taking a break right now, but not because I don't eat meat. <laughs> uh, but I used to have people say, "Well, how how can you do it? I mean, I mean, you don't. All you do is eat, you know, plants or whatever." And I never said, "Oh, because I eat dairy, I'm going to survive." I you know, I eat a lot of nuts. I, I replace things like the plant-based, you know, my impossible burgers. They were different. I don't think we had impossible the last time I ran a marathon. It was 2019, but people would question, are you sure you're going to be okay because of that? Which I got used to it. So I didn't let it offend me, but I do find it funny. People worry. Those yeah. who love me would worry that I would need to get more protein. Where are you getting your protein? They mean well, and I, yeah, I, I, just I think they're kind actually more go. worried about Silliest their own, yeah, their own ever, stuff. Yeah. So, so go ahead, Eric. I'm sorry. And I will say, I have, mm -hmm. I have asked that question too when I was in that infancy stage of like knowing anything about veganism. So it's you know mm -hmm. fair if you just don't have the knowledge. Yeah, I, to know. I did. I, I, I tell you what. Yeah. So, uh, and Eric and I were were working at the same station, and I think he was producing the show that I was talking about it when Aaron Rodgers said that he was giving up dairy. And now, again, this was, I think, 2016, 2015, something like that, when he, he announced he was giving up dairy. Are we going to talk about psychedelic yeah, and now, drugs? And now he does uh, Wyahaska yeah. or whatever that, that's called. And, um, yeah, he's he's out there a little bit, isn't he?
doesn't he? But he he gave up dairy in the dairy state, and I remember I I made fun of him. I mean, I and I even said like like, dude, where are you going to get your your calcium? Where are you going to get protein? Where blah blah blah? You know, and uh, you know, Aaron, how how could you do this kind of a thing? He was ahead of the curve on this, and you know, so you know, like Tom Brady, who is not you know one hundred percent you know plant based, but is like ninety percent, and a lot of other athletes that are that are out there doing this. I mean, the the strongest man in the world eats nothing but plants all all freaking day, and it's one hundred percent vegan. It can be done, um, and in fact, you end up thriving. I think the the thing about it and what people don't understand about it is you could actually train more and get stronger that way because the recovery time is so much faster. You don't have the same level of inflammation in your body that you do if you're putting in like a lot of guys that work out will use whey protein and stuff like that or or recover with chocolate milk, um, which makes no sense at all. But um, they, they do these kind of things. I mean, yeah, it tastes good, but it's not the best for you. So anyways, hey, we're, we're running out of time. Fantastic show. Sarah, great job on the news. Eric, excellent job as always. Check him out at Eric Rogers brand and also check us out at realmeneatplants.com you can also find our affiliation with paul's party paul palooza coming up here pretty soon at patreon and also again on the podcast page on realmeneatplants.com what a show today that's pretty exciting got to meet one of my yeah, one of my childhood baby. crushes. I absolutely loved it that we had Alexandra Paul on, and we will do this whole mess again tomorrow. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.